I began last week talking to you on this subject of that it's all about people. We're going to continue that today. So would you take your Bibles and go to the book of John, the fourth chapter, John chapter 4. In just a moment, we're going to get there. But as you're doing that, let me greet the campuses today and just say hello to you guys. I'm glad for what God is doing in each campus and each location of Love and Truth Church. And I'm believing for greater things, that every time I hear a good report, that the next time I'm going to hear a greater report of what God is doing. So let's get ready to receive what God's Word says today. We began last week talking on this subject of it's all about people. And last week we talked about how that you and I need to have eyes to see the way Jesus sees. And we talked last week how that Jesus sees the harvest as plentiful, He sees the harvest as valuable, and He sees the harvest as it's ready. And that you and I are to look at the harvest the same way, and we are to become co-laborers, the Scripture says, with Him, bringing people into the kingdom of God. Now today, the book of John, the fourth chapter, would you look there uh, in the 35th verse, We'll begin there. I'm reading out of the New International Version of the Bible. And it says, Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crops for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of the labor. Now, what, what we need to understand is, is that according to those who study things uh, of this nature, they tell us that there are seven plus billion people upon planet Earth, that our world is expanding so rapidly that there's no way to keep up with it. Uh, there's a lot of ideas of what's going to be happening over the next 25 to 50 years as far as our world is concerned and the cataclysmic events that are going to happen because of the population explosion, etc. All of that is understandable and you can think about that, but you and I probably can't wrap our brain around 7 billion people. Most of us don't have that encounter with 7 billion people, hopefully, although sometimes when you're driving on Highway 45 bypass, it does seem like. Anyway. As you study the, the, the dynamics of America, though, what you find is, is that less than 25% of Americans are involved weekly in, in a church service. Now, I think that's probably giving a little uh, leeway there. I really think it's less than that. But they tell us less than 25% uh, are involved every week in a, in a service. So what that tells us is, is that America is ripe for harvest. Now, the Scripture there says, the last word of that Scripture that we read says that you are going to reap where you have not sown. And as you look at the United States of America, what you know is for the past uh, three to 400 years that there has been sowing that has taken place upon this continent. And, and what we have seen is, is that even with the Puritans and, and the, then the great revivals that came along, that there has been great sowing that has happened for generations in America, sowing has taken place. And now now it's up to us to go out, and the Bible says to reap where we have not sown, to bring in the harvest that is ready. You don't have to wait for the harvest to get ready. 
You have people right now that are in your life that are ready to be harvested. It's just up to us to get out there and to begin to do what God's called us to do. Now, last week we talked about seeing like Jesus sees. Today, here's, here's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk today about no more excuses. No more excuses. Ever made an excuse? Come on, you know you have. On many occasions, you made excuses for all kinds of things and all kinds of reasons. Our issue is, though, is that a lot of times about reaching out and touching people's lives, we're always making excuses. People say, well, you know, Pastor, I want to witness, but I just really don't know what to say. Well, you know what, that may be a good reason at some level, but it, it really isn't a good reason because we can talk about anything else. We can talk about the latest ball game. We can talk about the latest, uh, you know, adventure. We can talk about whatever's happening on television. And yet, our problem is, is that we can't talk to people about the greatest thing that's ever happened to mankind. So, well, I, I'm, well, Pastor, you've got to understand, I'm an introvert. I, you know, I'm shy. I, I don't like to talk to people. I guarantee you there's somebody that you talk to the most introverted person in this building or that's watching me today, wherever they are in any of these campuses, I guarantee you there are some people in your life that you talk to. This one I love. People always say, well, Pastor, you've got to understand, you know, I, I believe in spiritual gifts, and I don't have the gift of evangelism. I love that one. Can I, can I give you a scripture for that? The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, who was a pastor and not an evangelist, and here's what he said to Timothy. He said, Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Uh-oh, took that excuse, didn't I? Well, I, I'm not a minister. Oh, yes, you are. If you're a believer, you're a minister. We're all ministers together in God's kingdom. You may not be a pastor or an evangelist, but you are a minister. And this one I love. Well, you've you got to understand, I believe that religion is a personal thing right? Ever heard that one? Well, you know, I, I, don't want, I, I don't want to offend anybody. I'm afraid that, that if I talk to anybody that, that you know, I, I want to be careful. You know, you, do, you never talk about religion or politics. You got to make sure that you, really? Have you ever noticed we talk about everything else? We, we, we share about everything else, and, and people sure aren't, aren't worried about offending us. I mean, if, if you watch the media lately, they don't mind offending us, but, but when it comes down to it, we, oh, I don't want to offend anybody. And, and, and then this, I'll, I'll give you maybe one or two more. One of them is, well, I don't have time. Got time for everything else. Come on, you know you do. Have you ever looked at somebody who's just getting all kinds of things accomplished and go, I wonder how they do that? Well, let me tell you how they do that. They have the same amount of time that you do. Everybody's got 24 hours a day, right? So our issue is, is, is not the excuses. It's not all these things. It's just being willing to get involved. And so today I'm, I'm going to help us to kind of lay down the excuses. Now this passage that we just read there where Jesus talks about four months and then the harvest is preceded. In fact, it is a flow of a story in Jesus' life. That Jesus one day, if you were to back up, we won't take time to read all this, but I kind of want to share the story with you because the next couple of weeks, this is where we're going to be. The story is what we refer to as Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Uh, if you've been to church very much, you've probably heard some, uh, somebody talk about this at some level. Today, let me just share with you just kind of a brief synopsis of this story. The Bible says that Jesus was with his disciples one day, 
And he looked at them and said, I have got to go through Samaria. Now, that doesn't mean much to us. But what he was saying is, in that day and age, he was a Jewish rabbi. Remember that. He is, a, you know, he is Jewish. If, if you understand anything about Jesus, everything about him is kosher. He's living the Jewish lifestyle. And what you need to understand is, is that Jewish people and Samaritan people did not have anything to do with each other. They, they were, the, the Samaritans were looked down upon. The Samaritans had gone out and they had intermarried with all kinds of people. And, and so the Jews being the good, you know, kosher Jews that they were, they would not have anything to do with a Samaritan. And yet Jesus said, now he is, not only is he Jewish, he's also God incarnate. He says, I've got to go to Samaria. Now think about that. And the disciples are a little bit confused, but they said, well, he says he's got to go. I'm sure he's, there's a reason. And they go, and the Word of God says that when they get to Samaria, that outside the gates there is the well where everybody comes to draw water. The Bible says that it's noontime, it's, it's, it's lunchtime, and Jesus sends the disciples into town, and he says, you guys go in there, uh, you know, find the, the local McDonald's or, you know, Burger King or whatever, and bring back some food where I'm hungry, and, and they go in to do their bidding. All right. and, and as they're going, the Bible says that they pass this woman who is coming to the well. Uh, interesting how that you can literally pass your assignment. They don't say anything to her. They pass her. She gets to Jesus. She starts to draw water, and Jesus, and, and because of the way that he is dressed and who he is, she knows that he is Jewish, and, she, and he knows that she is a Samaritan. And he looks at her as she's getting ready to draw, and he asks her, he said, would you give me something to drink? And she said, how are you that, are, that you are a Jew, how are you even talking to me? And he said, if you knew who I was, I love this. He said, you would ask of me and I would give you water to drink that you'll never have to come back to this well. And she looks at him and said, she's real nice. She says, sir, uh, you don't have a rope. You don't have a bucket. How are you going to get water? And then they begin this dialogue of, who she is and her life and it winds up that Jesus kind of just begins to minister to her right where she's at and as you look at this story what you find is is that you find out that there's a progression how Jesus moves her from one place to the other and you also find how that as Christians as people who are Christ followers that we need to learn how to be like Jesus when we are dealing with people who have not yet come to an open confession of Jesus Christ and so I want to give you four things today that I want you to understand I want us to lay aside our excuses and I want us today to be ready to do what God's called us to do would you look in verse 11 and 12 of the same chapter chapter 4 that we just read a little bit further in she says what sir the woman said you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep where can you get this living water are you greater than our father Jacob look at all these questions who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds the, the number one thing that you've got to be ready to do when you talk to people about Jesus is you've got to be ready to answer questions 
I mean, look at her. She starts asking questions. Well, how are you going to do this? How is this going to take place? I mean, she is asking questions, but the questions she's asking is not usually the answers we're giving. What I found with most Christians is, is that we, we want to have this, this little thing that we do and we want to present immediately the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and what is happening here is, is that she's asking just some logistical life questions. Uh, she, she's struggling with life. She's struggling with things that are going on, and we'll see that in a minute. And, and so she's asking this question. Let me, let me tell you something. The people that are in your life that you work with, that you live next door to, that you encounter on a daily basis, I promise you they are struggling with some life questions. There are things that they don't know, they do not have the answer to, and if you would just in dialogue with them, if you would just talk to them. And you know what? What is interesting is Jesus doesn't start off by talking spiritual stuff. Jesus talks about where she's at. You know, when, when somebody shows up at your house with a 40-pound Schofield reference Bible under their arm, you're a little nervous. Right? I mean, you know, when, when, when they pull up with a car that has bumper stickers all the way around it, what would Jesus do? Get right or get left? If you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying if you knock yourself out. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. What I'm saying is that makes people nervous. She doesn't start off talking about spiritual things. Now, she gets there. She starts off talking about natural things. You and I need to be ready to answer natural questions. What are they dealing with? What is it that's going on in their life? You need to be ready to listen to them. Don't always talk. Learn to listen. I mean, I'm, I'm told quite often by my wife, you, you didn't listen to me. And I go, you didn't tell me. She says, yeah, I did tell you. Nah, you didn't tell me that. You told somebody else that. I love the way all you husbands look so whatever right now. You know you've done the same thing. And, and our issue is, is that all of us have this tendency that when we are dialoguing with somebody, we're not listening to what they're saying. Jesus does not turn the subject to spiritual things. Jesus turns the subject to water. He met her at a well, and he talked to her about what was happening. You and I need to be willing to encounter people where they are and to answer the questions that's going on in their life. There's a scripture that says this. It says, don't cast your pearls before pigs. That's kind of an interesting question statement, isn't it? Don't cast your pearls before pigs. Uh, you know, it sounds kind of like a Ben Franklin statement, right? I mean, how many, how many things Ben Franklin said to get attributed to Jesus? You know, a penny saved is a penny earned and all that good stuff. Uh, but it's, it's not a Ben Franklin statement. It's, a, it's a, the Word of God statement. Don't cast your pearls before swine. What is it saying? It is saying that you need to understand that there is a timing and there, there are, there's the right place and the right season to put out the pearl. When you study Scripture, the pearl is the pearl of great price, which is the kingdom of God. There is a time to release that. Jesus doesn't start off with pearls. Jesus starts off with water. 
and he dialogues with her and he answers her questions as she is now at this point of her life. You and I need to be ready to answer people where they are with what's happening in their life. Would you look in verse 27? We'll jump around a little bit in this, in this passage today. Uh, he, he said, just then... His disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. I mean, the disciples are freaked is what it's saying. But none of the disciples asked him, what do you want or why are you talking with this woman? You know what, Jesus, why, why are you spending time with her? Why are you talking with her? Now, remember, Jesus is a rabbi. Jesus is Jewish. Jesus not only shouldn't be talking to a woman by himself, he sure shouldn't be talking to a Samaritan woman. And this woman probably, from a little bit further in the discussion that we will find, probably is not the most well-known, well, let's take that back. She may be the most well-known woman in the town, <laughs> but not for the right reason. All right? And, and, and yet Jesus is, is talking with her. Jesus is spending time with her. He, here's the second thing you need to understand if you are going to lay down your excuses, and that is you've got to be willing to break tradition. Tradition said don't talk to her. Tradition said you're a rabbi, you shouldn't even be talking to a woman. And on top of that, you are a Jew and you have no business spending time with somebody else. And yet what you have to be willing to do is, is that you have to break tradition sometimes. You have to be willing to be misunderstood. You, you have to dialogue. You have to hang out with people that other people will, will kind of be repelled by. You've you got, you got to talk with people and spend time with people that, that, that have aspects that are pierced that you're not even sure about. They got ink all over them, and you go, I, I, don't, I don't know. Holy, 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 holy. See, that's, that's what religion does. Religion never meets people where they are. Religion always tells you to jump. Religion always tells you to, we understand you're in the pit, but what we want you to do is we want you to be way up here, and what happens is, is that religion frustrates you. But Jesus was willing to do whatever it took to reach her. He said, I don't, I don't really care what everybody thinks about me. It really doesn't matter what they're going to say because I want to spend some time with this woman because this woman is the key to revival in this city. Could it be that the person that is the key to the revival in our city or your city is sitting on a bar stool somewhere that nobody wants to spend time with. Or they may be that person who, like this woman, has been married five times and shacking up with somebody right now, and nobody who's a Christian wants to spend time with them because it might mess up our reputation, but they are literally the key to the next move of God and what God is going to do, and the, the demonstration of His Spirit is going to come through that person. 
See, some of you that, that now look so good and you got it so together and, 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 and you, you, you know, you kind of make it all happen. Everybody thinks that, you, you know, when you walk in, the angels come in with you. They don't know your story. They don't know where you came from. They don't know where God drew you from and the place and the pit, the Bible says, that God dug you out of. But he has redeemed you. He has bought you. He has set you on high. And if we're not careful, we get so holy and so righteous and so afraid that our reputation is going to get messed up that we won't get out there where God wants us to get. It's, it's interesting to me when, when you begin to study this whole process that the Bible says that Jesus sent the disciples into town. You want to know why I think he did that? I think he did that because he knew that if they were there, he would never, ever be able to minister to that woman because they were so religious and they had their little traditions and how dare a woman of that kind of reputation showing up at that time of day at the, at the well. I mean, the only reason she went at noontime is because she didn't want to be with the rest of the women. The rest of the women, if you study tradition, is that they either went early in the morning or late in the evening to draw water. She comes at noon. Why? Because she has been rejected by everybody. Nobody wants to hang out with her, and then all of a sudden this rabbi shows up and he starts talking to her. Look in verse 16. Jesus told her, go call your husband and come back. She said, I don't have one. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. He said, in fact, you've had five and... You're living with a guy right now. Look at verse 29. I love this. She goes into town. This is a little bit later on in the story. She goes into town and says, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? That's a funny scripture. You didn't get it. That's a funny scripture. Jesus told her one thing. You've had five husbands, and you're shacking up. She goes into town and says... Come see a man who's told me everything I ever did. The King James Version of the Bible says this after that statement in verse 39. It says, and all the men of the city came to see Jesus. <laughs> I think that's funny. I think they were all freaking out because if he told her everything, she had... <laughs> Just saying. See, here's, here's what's going on. The, the Word of God lets us know that when Jesus was baptized, that the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and descended upon him, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. We understand that he was, he was God incarnate. And, and literally what he's doing is he's, he's just being open to what the Spirit is doing. You and I, when we're encountering people, we need to be open to the Holy Spirit. We, we just need to be receptive. We, we don't have to get spiritual. We don't have to pray in the Spirit. We don't have to do it. We, we just need to, be, we, we need to be sensitive. See, here's what I want you to understand. The gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful. It is powerful. And if it is coupled with the Holy Spirit, it will penetrate people's lives. Jesus is just open, and he speaks to her, about one issue in her life. 
Why has this woman been married five times? Here's my own interpretation. This woman suffers from rejection. If you were to ask this woman what her greatest desire was, she would tell you, my greatest desire is to be accepted and loved. Five times I've looked for that from a man, and I finally gave up, and I'm just hanging out with a guy. And all of a sudden, this one who has been looking for love comes into the very presence of love incarnate. And the God who Scripture says is love encapsulates her life, and all of a sudden, all her defenses are laid down. Do you realize Jesus doesn't tell her she's a sinner? Do you understand Jesus doesn't get on some high horse and tell her all the things wrong she's been doing? Jesus just says, here's where your life is, and I've got something you want. That thing which you have been searching for to satisfy you, that thing that will never be quenched with a man, with that desire to be loved and accepted. He said, if you'll just drink what I give you, never again will you experience that loneliness and that heartache and that rejection that you've dealt with all your life. And in that moment, think about it, in that moment, she runs into the city and says, I got to tell you about this guy. They come out. For two days, Jesus hangs there and preaches the word, and the entire area is transformed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 34, if you would. Jesus now, after she's gone back in the city, before they get back with the crowd, the disciples and him are saying, Lord, we, we want to feed you. And, and Jesus said, uh, I'm not hungry. And they said, well, who brought you dinner? We, you know, they get this discussion. And, and Jesus in verse 34 says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Let me give you the last one. The fourth thing we need to do is that we need to be a person who finishes. Don't just start. See, a lot of times we start with people, but we leave them. There, it doesn't usually happen as quickly as it did in this story. A lot of times in your relationships with people, it, it, you, you, you can share with them, you can love on them, you can whatever, but, but a lot of times they don't get saved the first day. And this story did. Jesus encountered him, and it happens sometimes. There, there'll be a person who's just ripe, they're ready, and you, just, you love on them, and they get saved. But a lot of times it doesn't happen that way. And Jesus said to them, he said, listen, he said, the, the thing that excites me the most is to finish my work, J just to finish. See, here's, here's the reason, is that when you finish, there's great satisfaction that comes to your life. What I've found through the years is this, is that once a person leads somebody to Jesus Christ, they're never happy just sitting on the seat showing up for church. They, they never get to that place again of their life. They always remember, I, I remember that time. 
or my friend or my loved one or the person I worked with and, and, and I shared Jesus with them and, and, and it took a few weeks. Sometimes it took a few months or maybe it took a year or two. But then I saw them get saved. I saw them get baptized. I saw their family dynamic change. And, and man, that was so great. What that means is, is that God's called us all to finish. Not just to start with somebody, but to finish with them. And then he goes in this closing of what we started with. And he talks to the disciples, but I think he's talking to us. And if he were to call your name today, he would, he would say, don't say there's four months till the harvest. Open your eyes. Look up. Look out. The fields are ripe. They're ready to harvest. And even now, the reaper's drawing his wage. In other words, the reaper's already getting paid because it's time to get out there. And you and I are called to go forth and to touch the world. See, it's not enough just to get saved. If it were all about us being saved, then the day we got saved, he should have took us home. Because at the moment that I got saved, I was assured of my salvation. There have been moments since then that I've wondered. It's not about just me being saved. That's where it starts. It really is about people. It's not about buildings. The only thing about buildings is, is that it gives us a place to house people. It's not about rules and guidelines. It's not about all these things that we've made it down through the ages. It really is about people. And there are people that it's about that you and I will look at and they won't fit. They won't have it together. They won't wear the right thing. They won't say the right things. They won't think the right things. But God didn't call us to the well. He called us to those, the Bible says, who need a physician. He called us to people who are hurting. There are people in your life today that are just like this woman. And they're wounded. And all that we can see is the outward. All we can see is the projection of a life. But if we could take a moment and be like Jesus and look within them, our excuses would be laid aside and we would understand that God has called us to reap the harvest. And that's what we've got to do. We cannot miss out on our opportunity to reach the harvest.